You're listening to The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show on Anchor FM. I'm Garrett Ashley Mullet, and I want to talk about everything. Hello, and welcome to The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show. This is Garrett Ashley Mullet. Coming to you Friday, April 30th, 2021, for episode 43 of season 3, episode 108 of The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show. We're going to talk about politics a little bit in this episode. President Joe Biden delivered his first State of the Union address. I watched the first 46 minutes and 39 seconds of it through the link, which you will find in the description for this podcast episode. If you haven't listened to it, you should listen to it. I don't care for Joe Biden or his policies. I don't care for the Democratic Party a whit, nor do I tolerate their incessant lying. But that's part of why we should be paying attention to what they're saying publicly. We should be listening, quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. For the anger of man does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. So if you're avoiding listening to the President of the United States delivering his first State of the Union address because you think it's going to make you angry, maybe this is an opportunity for you to practice listening to something with which you profoundly disagree, which is profoundly distasteful, and not getting angry. Maybe this is good practice to hold your temper. For me, I have a hard time with that because so much of what I heard in this 46 minutes and 39 seconds of the speech that I listened to all but the last less than 20 minutes of it was dishonest, manipulative, theatrical, hyperbolic, exaggerated, just blatantly misleading. And I'm angry that the Democratic Party cheers that kind of performance. They celebrate that kind of performance. They love it. They eat that stuff up. It's a funny thing. I'm not going to spend the bulk of my time addressing the specific claims and fact-checking what it is that President Biden alleged or promised in his speech. I don't think that you need that We fundamentally disagree, Republicans and Democrats. Democrats think that power comes from the people. And just like so many of the left over the past few centuries in France, in Russia, in China, elsewhere, they claim to speak for the people even when fraud is required to silence the vote, to silence the political engagement of so many of the people. If they can't win fairly, they just say that they know better and they cancel out however many other people it takes so that they can claim some mantle of legitimacy. The Bolsheviks in Russia literally called themselves the majority. That's what Bolshevik means is the majority. Menshevik is the minority. And it was a kind of propaganda just in what they called themselves and what they called their opposition. It was propaganda to say, we are the majority. 
Now, they really weren't the majority when they adopted that title. It wasn't what they were called by the people. It's what they called themselves. And all it really meant, euphemistically, dishonestly, was that they believed that they knew best what was in the best interest of the majority. And they weren't really all that concerned with the minority. It's funny to me that Democrats make much of ethnic minorities and people who are confused about whether they're a man or a woman or a man trapped in a woman's body or a woman trapped in a man's body. They're confused about the order of things that God created. The Democrats make much of the minorities and they think that by bundling together all of the minorities in this country, they can claim to speak for the majority. But just as quickly, they're happy to turn around and throw certain minorities under the bus so long as those minorities are not playing by the rules of the Democratic Party. If a minority person or a person who belongs to a minority ethnic subgroup happens to deliver the Republican response to the president's State of the Union address, the Democrat establishment in the media, in popular culture, is happy to disown him and to say that he is not actually part of that ethnic minority. He doesn't speak for them. He's betrayed his skin color. They're happy to throw Tim Scott from South Carolina, I do believe. Fact check me if I'm mistaken. But they're happy to throw Tim Scott out as a black man. He is not really black. You ain't black, as Joe Biden said during the campaign in the run-up to the 2020 election. You're not really black if you don't support Joe Biden. And that's really what it boils down to for the Democrats with regards to everybody. We know what's best for you. You don't. What I heard throughout this speech to a nearly empty congressional room due to COVID restrictions, the description under the video reads on msn.com, what I heard over and over again is that you can't do it. You can't invest in what we need to have invested in. You can't make it. You can't pay for your child's education. You can't pay for food. You can't upgrade our infrastructure. You can't grow your business to a successful level to where you're able to do things with a lot of money. You can't do that. Now, he says he gets in arguments with other Democrats about whether it's all right for individuals to become millionaires and billionaires. He believes that it is okay. It is okay to become a millionaire and a billionaire as a private individual. Well, of course he believes that because he is a millionaire. Most of the Democrats in Congress are millionaires. How did they get to be millionaires? Well, they had the inside track. They had the inside scoop. Businesses and lobbyists, foreign governments greased the wheels so that they would know what policies, what laws, what regulations were about to be enacted, abolished, changed, modified, put in force, at what time. Sometimes they knew because they were informed, and sometimes they knew because 
they got to do the informing and they got to write those things and say, this is what we want. What's in it for me, someone like Joe Biden says. Well, what's in it for you is that we give your son a cush job at a Ukrainian gas company in exchange for getting this prosecutor fired, in exchange for U.S. aid to the government of Ukraine as they're fighting Russia. What's in it for you? 10% for the big guy, right off the top. What's in it for these members of Congress is that they get to change the rules so that they always win. The House always wins. Now, traditionally, that is talking about casinos. The House always wins. But the House of Representatives always wins. The Senate always wins. The establishment political operatives always win. Joe Biden being on the screen for this State of the Union address this year in 2021 tells you that the House always wins. The political establishment always wins. I think of Doug Wilson and his blog and may blog podcast, which is very good. If you haven't listened to it, you should check it out. I should make an episode here coming up going through all of the podcasts that I listen to besides my own in case you're looking for some more recommendations. But Doug Wilson has talked in recent months as Joe Biden was about to be inaugurated, as the election came and went and allegations, which I believe were true, which Doug Wilson and I think most thinking, honest people believe were true. Those allegations were flying hard and fast all around, being just as quickly dismissed by those who wanted nothing so much as former President Donald J. Trump gone. Doug Wilson talks about how there are several types of government. There are good and legitimate governments. There are good and illegitimate governments. There are bad but legitimate governments, and there are bad and illegitimate governments. And we should know that those types of government exist, and we should know how to live under each of those types of government. We now live under a bad and illegitimate government. It isn't that Joe Biden sometimes trips over his words. I trip over my words sometimes. You trip over your words sometimes. That doesn't prove anything. It's that when he gets his words straight again, the ideas that he's communicating are terrible. They're bad ideas. They're immoral and they're foolish. They're wicked. The fact that he is able to give the State of the Union address is a kind of judgment on our country for combination, corruption, and acquiescence to corruption. Mitch McConnell can sit there looking very somber, not clapping, not standing, not endorsing what it is that President Biden is saying in his State of the Union address. But Mitch McConnell and others like Mitch McConnell contributed to the triumph of fraud, which delivered Joe Biden and Kamala Harris into the White House. The establishment Republican Party contributed to the winning of the executive branch 
by deceit, by cheating. I'm persuaded of that. And so as such, such being the case, we live under a bad government and an illegitimate government. It's not just that we have a bad but legitimate government that was duly elected. No, we have a bad government that is also illegitimate. And so it strikes me all the more oddly that Biden is there giving this speech, talking about unity, talking about what we can do, what we will do, trying to inspire all of us, and it makes me nauseous. I find it gross. You've just raped our political process, and now you're trying to bring us candy and flowers. You're trying to convince us all that this is fine, this is okay, this is the new normal. The emperor has no clothes, and the talking heads and those who value their positions on TV, who affirm these things, who applaud these things, who talk in glowing, idolatrous terms about what a savior Biden is from the dark days of Donald Trump, I find them all nauseating. Why would anybody clap for this? Why would anybody cheer for this? Why would anybody stand for this? And yet, here is what the next four years at least looks like, unless something happens, the 25th Amendment being invoked, dementia, heart attack, what have you, to remove Joe Biden from office, unless Kamala Harris is going to be our next president, which she might as well be. She's the power behind the throne. Or unless you're really conspiratorial, we really haven't come out from under Barack Obama and his leadership because he, behind the scenes, is still organizing and orchestrating and pulling strings and making policy decisions. This is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to not do. It's complicated. And so... As Andrew Claven over at the Daily Wire said recently on his podcast, most sane people cannot believe that they're being lied to about climate change, about COVID, about their civil liberties, about what the Democrats intend to do, about China. Black Lives Matter and critical theory being taught in schools promoted in schools, cannot compute for the person who is sane because you have to be an insane person, as Andrew Clavin points out, to believe that you're being lied to all the time when you turn on the TV, the radio, when you open up your web browser, navigate over to msn.com slash en dash us slash news slash politics. You have to be an insane person to think that you're being lied to all the time. And so, therefore, all of the sane people cannot believe that they're being lied to. A lot of folks are tuning out because they just can't stand to listen to the lies and manipulation. Well, then, I guess these Democrats have us, don't they? And they have us for the foreseeable. They have us until... We have the courage, we're willing to sacrifice our comfort, even to listen to what they're saying. How in the world are we going to stand up to them? How in the world are we going to contradict them? 
if we can't even bring ourselves to listen to 46 minutes and 39 seconds of their State of the Union address, how in the world are we going to stop them from selling our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren down the river? They don't think in their base, their base that believes in Greta Thunberg and climate change, they don't think that we're going to be alive to see grandchildren and great-grandchildren. They have this apocalyptic view because the media and Democrat politicians have created these echo chambers of misinformation. They have wedded the hydra of Greek mythology with Pravda, the Soviet Union's propaganda outlet. They've wedded these two things together, and so you have a many-headed Pravda in our mainstream news media. It's not journalism, it's propaganda. It is what Ben Rhodes, senior official for the Obama White House, bragged. It is an echo chamber designed to create impressions in your mind which are favorable to their policy preferences. We want to do X, Y, and Z. We want to sign a treaty with Iran. And we want the American public to think that some recent election, some recent change in Iran means that now is the time to act. Act now while supplies last. There are some moderates in power. If we don't want to have an armed conflict with Iran, we've got to act now. We've got to get this treaty signed. We've got to send them a whole bunch of money, planes full of money, to the leading state sponsor of terrorism. And Ben Rhodes goes and does an interview and brags how they released tidbits of information to certain individuals within the news media who then repeated those claims, those insinuations verbatim, touching off a chain reaction throughout the rest of the media. You don't have to have everybody in on it. You just have to have everybody willing to race the people who are in on it. One person says it, then the next person says it, the next person says it. How many people does it take to yell fire in a crowded theater before you have a stampede and people are being trampled to death because not everybody fits through the exit at the same time? How many people have to yell fire in a crowded theater? It doesn't take that many to touch off a chain reaction. People are dumb. People are stupid. People in groups and crowds operate on a herd mentality very often. You're pressed in by all the people around you, and it's a big crowd, and the bigger it gets, the more you're going to have to just take the crowd's word for it, that something's happening over there. And so we're going to go towards it. We're going to go away from it. If it's scary, we're going to go away from it very, very quickly. And if you can't keep up and you fall, the crowd's not going to stop for you. They're going to run you over and you're going to die. The media operates like that. You don't have journalists. You have parrots. You have people repeating uncritically whatever it is that they think is going to get the Democrats more power. Period. End of story. Thanks for playing. So anybody that listens to the news media in this country and thinks that they're being informed 
needs to get their eyes checked. When I was at Cedarville University for all of one year, 2006 was all I needed. Spring and winter quarters of 2006 with Lauren. She was there one semester before I was. I remember Dr. Brown, who was the president of the university, had put on this really great series about analyzing the worldview in movies. And so this series, was it was DVDs at the time, because of course that was the latest technology. We didn't really have streaming. So you buy this series of DVDs and you play it on your, wait for it, DVD player. And you watch a series of short videos, short story videos. And at the end, there's an unpacking of what worldview is being communicated through the camera angles, through the lighting effects, through wardrobe choices, through dialogue choices. What is being communicated here subtly, shown, not told? Good movie making, as I learned in my cinematography class at Southern State Community College, good movie making shows you, doesn't tell you. Show, don't tell is the principle of good storytelling, good movie making. But the bottom line, regardless the worldview, regardless what it is that is being shown or told or shown and told, in a movie is that every movie is made from a certain worldview or a combination of worldviews or an amalgamation of worldviews. The person making that movie, writing that script, directing it, choosing the angles of the camera, setting up the lighting, setting up the score, the music, all of it has a worldview attached to it and is purveying a worldview to you. So then... Your task, if you're going to be discerning, if you're going to be wise as you consume media, your task is to pay attention to the worldview of the person telling the story. What does this person believe and how is it coming through and what they're showing me? What does this person want me to believe, moreover? Is that true? Can we weigh and measure what it is that they believe what it is they want me to believe against the scriptures. We should be thinking along those lines every time we read something that purports to be news, not just when we're watching a movie, we're listening to a popular song on the radio, we're watching a movie, watching a TV show, we're watching somebody else's worldview being transmitted to us and those around us, to the audience, when a show, a movie, a piece of music, a book becomes very popular, you can bet that there is something in the zeitgeist, the spirit of this age, the movement of the crowd of people that make up society. There's something that is hungry for what is being offered up there. So Joe Biden delivers his first State of the Union address and MSN tells me attendance was severely limited due to COVID restrictions. No, attendance was severely limited due to theater, political theater. You got to keep that Reichstag smoldering as long as you possibly can. Because so long as you can claim this is for the children or this is for public health, you can get away with 
anything. Biden says at one point what a small percentage it is. I think it was 0.3% or something crazy like that. 0.03 maybe. What does it matter? Of people that will be affected by raising taxes because the rich need to pay their fair share. What an original statement, Joe. The rich need to pay their fair share, and they're not. And as proof that they're not, he says that in recent years, the 650 richest men have made a trillion dollars. They've increased their net worth by a trillion dollars. He talks to income inequality, talks about income inequality, rather, and how much CEOs make compared to the average employee at a corporation. It's 300 sometimes. It used to be 100. Well, okay. And what does that prove? That proves that you want people to be envious. You want the people to be jealous of those who are rich. Oh, no, it's fine, right? It's totally fine if people get millions and billions of dollars. So long as we can play off of the envy and the jealousy and the greed of those who do not have millions and billions of dollars. So long as we can aggravate and stoke the fires of resentment to get ourselves more power, that's totally fine. We have no I love it when people are millions and billions richer, so long as I can use that to expand my own power and influence. I love it, Joe Biden says. I'm paraphrasing. What a small percentage it is that is going to see taxes raised. And the rest of us, we're going to have a $15 minimum wage. And all the Democrats said, Amen. And the Republicans shook their heads because the Republicans are the adults. They're the parents who make their children eat vegetables and don't say, you can load up on sugar and stay up until 2 in the morning watching TV if that's what you want, so long as you stay out of my hair while I'm busy exercising my right to choose. So long as my right to choose regards my private parts, but not where I work, how much money I make, my health care, free speech, worship, owning a firearm. So long as those are not the things I want to choose. Educating my child. I'm free to do anything whatsoever I want, so long as what I want to do is not expressing my own beliefs online. So long as what I want to do is not teaching my children, training them up in the fear and admonition of the Lord. Because Joe Biden says we're going to fall behind China unless we push more and more children back into the government monopoly, which is public education. Do you know why he says that? He says that because he's indebted to the teachers' unions for the political theater that they staged all last year to try and get him reelected. Children who attended public schools, whose parents have over generations become dependent on public education to teach their children for them so that they can go into the workforce, both of them, if they're a married couple, staying together, or one of them, if they just decided they want to be single, they want to have an open lifestyle, have a relationship with people as it is convenient, as it pleases them. The public education system is very convenient for people who don't want to be married. They want to have 
serial monogamy instead. And so Joe, Uncle Joe, wants your child to go to public school. He doesn't like charter schools. He doesn't like homeschooling. He likes public school. Let's put all of our eggs in that basket and then let's tax the piss out of the richest people and you don't need to worry about what a small percentage of Americans it is that we're going to raise taxes on. Don't worry about it. They're doing fine. They cheated on their taxes, actually. Ooh, they haven't paid their fair share. Ooh, they didn't earn that. Someone else earned that. We're going to give credit for every American innovation to the government. Railroads across the continent. Remember, that was the government. You couldn't do that. The Internet. You couldn't do that. DARPA needed to do that. Now Joe Biden wants a blank check. He wants to catch up on doing all of the things he's ever wanted to do his entire political career. He wants to make history by spending more money than anybody else ever. He wants to spend trillions of dollars to buy your next election vote. Legitimately this time, but not really. Not if it's a bribe. I guess that's the way that Joe Biden and the Democrats operate is on bribes. We'll offer people an Obama phone and free everything. We'll get a prosecutor in Ukraine fired. And then we'll suppress news of Hunter Biden's laptop. Delete social media accounts for major news organizations that have been around for hundreds of years. And we won't let them get back on the internet till they promise to be good little boys, till they write, I will not expose fraud when it is perpetrated by Democrats. Write that on the blackboard a hundred times. Then you can go. You just have to click this little button here, admitting that you were wrong and we were right. Bend the knee. All we need is a little sample of soil and water as a statement of your submission. See, that's going to be a problem, Leonidas says to the Persian ambassador. This is madness, the Persian ambassador says. This is Sparta, Leonidas says. Why is that so compelling? It's compelling because real men love their country too much to go selling it down the river because they were threatened that if they don't, the whole place is going to burn to the ground. Real men don't cave in to Black Lives Matter activists who rail against rich white people living in multi-million dollar homes and then the first chance they get, they buy a couple of them. They buy several properties in neighborhoods which are 0.3% black. They spend millions of dollars on property because they've got a child to think about. But you... When you have a child to think about, well, you didn't earn that. No. Black Lives Matter trained Marxists earned that. You sent them money so that they could promote the idea that black lives do indeed matter to us. Which black lives? Well, apparently, the founder, co-founder of Black Lives Matter, her life matters, her daughter's life matters, some black lives matter. Some black lives matter if it's convenient to Democrats getting and retaining and growing their power. And so Joe Biden wants 
major police reform on his desk by the one-year anniversary of George Floyd's death at the hands of, or knee of, Derek Chauvin, allegedly, but not really, who killed George Floyd. It was his drug dealer. It was the Democratic Party that killed George Floyd. It was the great society of Lyndon Baines Johnson that killed George Floyd. It was Democratic policies which said to Americans, you can't do it. You can't do it by being an intact family where the father and the husband goes to work and makes money. The mother takes care of the children. The mother and the father stay together faithfully, build a home together, not just a house, not an apartment. doesn't matter whether you buy or you rent. A home. A home is where a mother and a father raise their children. Black America was so much better off before Lyndon Baines Johnson cynically moved in. He wanted the Democratic Party to be the sugar daddy of black America. And he fostered a climate of fatherlessness wherein generations of black American children grew up to love crime, to love drugs, to get into trouble, to not get married, to not settle down, to not raise their children, to party, to get thrown in jail, to kill each other, to murder each other, to have their neighborhoods descend into chaos and squalor and terror. So that now, when a large, erratically behaving, drugged up black man passes counterfeit bills and claims that he can't breathe, that his skin's on fire, he ate too many drugs, all of this is proved. You can't even have a fair trial for the police officer who stands accused of murder because Joe Biden's Department of Justice is waiting in the wings, planning to arrest him in court if the jury finds him not guilty. Did you know that? Joe Biden's Department of Justice with Eric Garland, Merrick Garland's Department of Justice was planning on arresting Derek Chauvin in court as political theater. And it's not about Derek Chauvin. It's not about George Floyd. It's about power. It's about the Democratic Party not having gotten over the fact that they lost the Civil War and that the slaves were freed and that Ulysses S. Grant crushed the KKK. The Democratic Party has still not gotten over the fact that they don't get to lord it over black Americans. So when Tim Scott, as a free man, as a man of principle and conviction and intelligence, of upright conduct and character, delivers the response to Joe Biden's State of the Union address, Uncle Tim trends on Twitter. What's left of Twitter that isn't bots and shenanigans? You should watch and listen to Joe Biden's first State of the Union address. And if it makes you nauseous, then own it. Own that nausea, because this is the country we live in. And we need to see it for what it is, and not escape into watching reruns of Andy Griffin, not escape into rewatching Marvel movies and Star Wars and Lord of the Rings. And when I say that, I'm not criticizing you, I'm criticizing me. Because I haven't been paying very close attention to the news. 
because it makes me angry. But how in the world are we ever going to take responsibility for this country that is our country? This land is my land. This land is your land. This land belongs to you and me. However, are we going to act like it if we can't even watch and listen to an illegitimate and bad president and vice president and speaker of the house engaging in political theater will never be able to respond to it if we're not being quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. We're going to have to listen. We're going to have to speak. And at a certain point, it will be justified to get angry because slow to anger does not mean you can never get angry, right? For parsing that text and reading it carefully, slow to anger does not mean never get angry. In your anger, do not sin, it says in the scriptures. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. For the anger of man does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. So if at all possible, we should cool as cucumbers, respond to these things, and not grow weary in doing what is good. You show up tomorrow at work, let's say. Tomorrow's Saturday. It's supposed to be your day off. You're frustrated to be there. You say, I don't want to be here. Well, what if... It's either that or the company falls apart. What if I get called out to the plant tomorrow? The plant is down. There's a power issue. They've lost a phase. A fuse popped. A breaker's tripped. A motor needs tested. The system crashed. Oh, well, I can't. I don't have time for that. Today's my day off. I'm tired. Again, in the political sphere, we cannot tell ourselves that... This is none of our business. I'm going to mind my own business. This is our business, actually. The reason why we're in the condition that we're in, wherein Democrats bandy about spending bills in the trillions of dollars so that they can fundamentally transform this country into a socialist wasteland. The reason why we're in this condition is because too many of us for too long said, it's none of my business. It's not my problem not my circus, not my monkeys. We hubristically and selfishly and lazily gave the country to them. We let this happen. And we need to take our country back. With all that said, that's all I have for this episode. Again, I'll put the link in the description for this episode. Check it out. Let me know what you thought. If you had a different conclusion than I did, leave a comment. Send me a voice message. I might even feature it on my next episode. If you can leave a voice message at Anchor FM. Reference this episode, episode 108, episode 43 of season three. I'd love it. But thank you. Thank you for listening. Till next time, God bless. You've been listening to The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show on Anchor FM. For more content like what you just heard, subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. Also check out thegarrettashleymulletshow.com to subscribe to email alerts when new episodes are published. As always, you can reach me with any comments, questions, complaints, objections, or insights at garrettashleymullet at protonmail.com. Thank you.